When I was 18, I thought I was going to become a professional poker player. The year before, Chris Moneymaker had just won the Real Series of Poker. It was getting really popular. It was on TV. And I was pretty good. I'd read books. I studied. I took it really seriously. And one week when I went in, they had a promotion at the local Indian casino where if you got a Royal Flush, you would win a gold bar. And of course, I got a Royal Flush and I got this gold bar. We're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance. So I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> our sponsor for this episode is our 14-day video script challenge. Yes, we are sponsoring our own show. Yes, we are. <laughs> Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm Benton Crane, your co-host and the CEO of Harmon Brothers. And today on the show, I am joined by Stefan Georgi. Welcome to the show, Stefan. Hey, thank you. It's good to be here, Ben. So Stefan is one of the top direct response copywriters in the world. So his work has grossed over $700 million in sales. And he is the co-founder of Copy Accelerator with Justin Goff. And Copy Accelerator has a weekly training program. And he's also the co-founder of Turtle Peak, which is, in, uh, which is a Vegas-based contact center, right? Yes. Okay, so Justin, let's talk a little bit about... Um, what you're doing at Copy Accelerator and what does it mean to our listeners? For sure. So Copy Accelerator is a, as you mentioned, weekly training program that helps people who are both copywriters and business owners in the direct response space to create better sales copy and better offers and funnels that can then scale on cold traffic. So a lot of that comes into the form of long form sales copy, sales letters, uh, video sales letters, things of that nature. And we do everything from every, every week there's a Zoom call where we're basically teaching on something, whether that's how to write better headlines or how to you know, write a better lead that hooks a viewer in and, and keeps them watching or reading uh, you know, the sales copy. Uh, or how to optimize your upsell so you get a better uh, average order value from your sales funnel. And then in addition to that, we have uh, trainings on Facebook compliance because a lot of people who are doing marketing today, especially in the health industry or even financial, a lot of industries have trouble creating uh, advertisements that can really run on Facebook and, and not end up getting in trouble. And it's usually because of little things. It's not like we're not working with people who are making like really outrageous claims, but there's still things that are red flags for Facebook and things like that. Uh, and then we have a couple of live events per year as well. Awesome. We're, uh, we're big fans of copywriting around here. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. yeah anyone, who, uh, anyone who follows us knows the, uh, the, uh, the lengths that we go to in the, in the copywriting process before we, before we make our videos. So we're, uh, we're, we're big fans of, of that process. Um, so I, here in a minute, I want to dive a little bit more into your process. But before we do, this, of course, is the Poop to Gold podcast. Podcast, and so we've uh, we've got to uncover your poop to gold journey, um, and then we'll come back to the the copywriting piece of it. So um, we know that every successful person has had to go through some crap to become successful, and and there's usually a handful of moments, or sometimes it's one defining moment where things get really hard, really black, really dark. Um, you know, the, the, the dark of the night type thing where you just can't see the light. You don't know how you're going to get through it. What was that moment for you? So that moment for me was when my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer, which happened pretty suddenly. The, um, the, the full story is really, I was thinking about this before I came on. It, it, the story is a from gold to poop to gold story. So 
we get to add in an extra layer of gold there, um, almost like a, a poop sandwich, if you will. Um, but basically, to, to kind of give you the, the quick background, when I was 18, I thought I was going to become a professional poker player. So I, and I'm from San Diego, and there's all these Indian casinos where you could play at the age of 18. So uh, I was 18 in 2004, the year before Chris Moneymaker had just won the World Series of Poker. It was getting really popular. It was on TV. And I was going to the Indian casinos every day my senior year of high school and playing poker. And I was pretty good. I'd read books. I studied. I took it really seriously. And one week when I went in, they had a promotion at the local Indian casino where if you got a royal flush, you would win a gold bar. Uh, and it's about an ounce of gold. And so kind of noticed it. And I was playing poker. And of course, I got a royal flush and I got this gold bar. And what's funny is, of course, when you're 18 and you kind of feel like the world comes really easy to you, you know, it's like, oh, cool, Royal Flush. This is neat. Uh, but, you know, I, I played a ton of poker before and since then, never gotten a Royal Flush, um, you know, ever since. It's extremely rare to get a Royal Flush, right? I was going to say that a lot of people will play their whole lives and never get one, right? Yeah, totally. So to get one at 18 and, and just kind of be like, oh, yay. Um, but when I got home and I told my, my parents what happened and my dad offered to buy the gold bar off me. And um, it was the price of gold at the time was about $420 an ounce. And the reason I remember that is because I was an 18 year old and it's like 420 seemed funny to me, but uh, I, I sold him, you know, the gold bar and took the cash and whatever went off my life. So fast forward to 2011 and I've kind of had my own rocky journey of going to school, dropping out, going back to school, working a bunch of jobs. And, but at, at this point in 2011, I'm, I'm working in Marble Falls, Texas at a place called the Outdoor School which is essentially a large summer camp that this guy bought. It was like his childhood summer camp. He bought it. And then during the fall and, and spring, he would turn it into like an outdoor ed thing where he you'd bring in kids from all over Texas. They'd stay for four to five days and you teach them about water quality or nature or living off the land, uh, astronomy, all that. So I'm there. I'm really enjoying myself and I'm feeling like maybe this is actually my calling in life that I'm going to be like an outdoor ed instructor and do all that kind of stuff. But I get a call from my mom and this is in late April, early May of 2011. And it's, you know, your dad has cancer. It's really serious. And, uh, you know, we're not sure how long he's going to last. Oh, man. So, yeah. So obviously that's not a call you're expecting because I knew he was having, we thought kidney stones because he was having stomach pain and things like that. But uh, he, you know, we thought it was just kidney stones. And so uh, I was obviously felt bad for my dad for that. But then to suddenly go from, from it's not kidney stones, it's a rare form of liver cancer uh, is, is a pretty brutal transition. Um, so this is kind of the, the poopy, the poopiest moment of the beginning of the poop. Right. Um, so I go home after that, I finished like the final week or two of that outdoor school. Uh, and I go back home to San Diego and I spend the next four months with my mom and my dad. And, uh, I'm just trying to help out and be there and support my mom and my family and spend time with my dad and, and do all of that. And I'm, really grateful that I that I did do that because I got to be there for the final months of his life. But then in October of 2011, he he passed away. And, you know, which was, of course, very difficult. And, and to go from I mean, to give you context, in April of 2011, I'd, I'd come back home for a weekend to kind of surprise my parents and went hiking with my dad and we hiked up a mountain and seemed totally fine, right? So to go from hiking up a mountain in April to having him dead in October, it's just such a, a crazy uh, thing. So after that happened, that's yeah. even by like cancer standards, that's that's pretty insanely fast, isn't it? It's it's pretty fast. Yeah, because it was it was stage four. It was pretty developed. Um, you know, they 
they, I, I honestly don't know if the chemo helped or hurt, you know, because it's one of those things where I think he did the chemo to to show the family that he was trying to do something. But when you're really that far advanced with the cancer, uh, it's, it, especially that type of cancer, it's tough. Like I remember being at a Starbucks in Marble Falls, Texas, because we didn't even have Wi-Fi on that outdoor school uh, where I was and and kind of Googling that the type of cancer he had and like a Wikipedia page. And it said something like there was like a 98% mortality rate in under a year or something crazy. And, and I, that was when I really lost it. Because before then, you're kind of in shock. But I remember reading that. And then I, I got in my truck that I had at the time. And I just like drove around the rural Texas for, I don't know, the next like six hours, just like kind of crying, you know, because um, it's, it just wasn't one of those things where like, you know, some people, some, some cancers are more beatable. And, and obviously, it depends on how far along it is and everything. But yeah, in that case, he was, he was, it was pretty advanced already. Oh, man, I'm sorry. That is brutal. Yeah, no, I we'll, we'll appreciate that. And so, so what, is, what, what are the, um, in, in terms of, the impact that, a, that an event like that has on the development of your career, um, you know, what, it, what are you feeling? What are you thinking at, at this point? Can you even focus on, on your career at this point? Talk, talk to me about some of those emotions. For sure. So at that point, too, what's interesting is, is maybe a, a, two months before my dad passed away, I was pushing him around this like care facility he, had, he was at in like a wheelchair. And he kind of turned to me and he said, you know, it seems like you're a bit of an unguided missile. And I kind of took it. I understood why he said it, but I didn't fully agree with him. You know, he said it because up until that point, I had kind of jumped around from different things. So I'd worked in a call center for a for-profit college, but I felt not good about myself with that job. So I had left it. I'd worked on political campaigns, going door to door. I'd done all this random stuff. And, but I really felt like what I was doing at that time was going to be what I, the thing. Um, so, you know, I don't know if I had like a career, but I had the starts of a career there. Um, and, you know, one of the first things that happened when I came home is, is to help look after my dad was kind of what can I do that could make money, you know, and generate income while I'm at home being there for my family. So I think I, 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 which this is funny because my wife did the same thing and I will get to her in a minute because she's part of this whole story. But I'm pretty sure I Googled like how to make money online or something like that, which, you know, you always think like nobody actually searches for that stuff, but they totally do. Um, and I read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which I know a lot of other entrepreneurs have read early on. And so I, I, my whole mentality was, can I find a way to make money online? And that was the first time I really ever had thought about that. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't successful at it. I started like a drop shipping store selling sports memorabilia and kind of set it up, but I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, it kept me distracted kind of, but, um, it, you know, I never really made a sale <laughs> for that. Yeah. But at least at that point, I'm, I'm thinking like, how do I, yeah, how do I make money? How do I generate an income? Like, uh, and at least I'm thinking about online for the first time at, at that point. So you're in the learning phase at that point. I'm in the learning phase for sure. Um, yeah. And what's interesting is if to kind of tie this in, uh, is, is after, cause after my dad passed away, I decided to like blow off steam and, and you know, not right away, but after like six weeks or whatever it was. And I remember there was like an airfare sale that Southwest was having. And I put a thing on my Facebook, um, and was like, Hey, does anyone want to go somewhere and take a trip? And a friend from college in Florida had said, I've never been to Vegas. Do you want to go to Las Vegas? And I said, you know, sure, man, that sounds good. Let's, let's book it. So we booked it for the middle of December. And a few days before I was going to go, I'm saying like, man, I don't have like any money at all, but I'm going through my dad's uh, kind of like stuff and possessions. And I find the gold bar 
that I had sold him, you know, back in the day. And this mm-hmm. is 2000, late 2011, and gold was worth like $2,000 an ounce, which just shows that my dad was, you know, a lot, thinking a lot more intelligently about that than I was at the time, right, when you're 18. Um, but I, I took it to like a cash for gold place and I sold it to have money for this Vegas trip. And I went. And while I'm there, the first day or whatever, we stayed at Circus Circus, it was like $20 a night. And the first night I lost like several hundred dollars playing blackjack and was kind of freaked out because I really didn't have a job or anything. Uh, but the next day I played poker with my buddy and we won some money. I hadn't played poker. Remember, I played like regularly in H- at an age 18, but I hadn't played in, you know, several years. But he had suggested it. I said, sure, why not? We won a couple hundred dollars and it was great. So Sunday we were like, hey, let's play poker again. And we picked Caesar's Palace. There's all the places we could go. And, and we picked Caesar's completely randomly. And we went there. We sat down at the card table and we're playing poker. And this girl comes into the poker room. And I noticed her immediately. And I, I joked to the table, oh, I hope she gets seated at our table. Because when you play poker at, at a Vegas card room, like you don't get to come in and just walk up to a table. You see the the host, the person there, and then they sort of bat, look at the table, the different tables and, and see how many empty seats there are. And they'll kind of, you know, balance the table so that there's always as many people at each game as possible. But she did get seated at our table. And I just immediately was attracted to this woman. Uh, and somebody asked her pretty early on, like, what do you do for a living? And she said, I'm a writer. And I wanted to talk to her. So I said, what kind of writer? And she said, I'm a copywriter. And I said, wow, copywriting, that's really interesting. Uh, you know, uh, so cool. And I got I had my, my first generation smartphone or whatever I had. And I pulled it up under my table and I Googled, what's a copywriter? Because I had no idea. Um, and I kind of, that's the first time I ever heard about copywriting, but to kind of, and feel free to, obviously you can stop me at any point, but to kind of like tie a, a, a tie it all together. Um, I ended up taking a job in South Florida after a few, like a month and a half after that, she came for a weekend to visit. I was like, I don't want you to leave. She didn't want to leave. So she moved in with me. Her car got shipped down from New York where she was from. And I was doing the sales job, making $200 a day, which was a good job at mid-20s and, and really, um, especially for someone who had bounced around a lot. But I still found that I was going out in the hot Florida sun and, and working all day and sweating and, and not really feeling fulfilled. And I'd come home and she was in her underwear having a beer and she some days would have made like $1,000 in the same day. And so I'm like, man, like I want to do this copywriting thing. And so I, you know, eventually I asked her, hey, do you think I could be a copywriter? Like I, I was like, it really wasn't, I'm going to be a copywriter. It was like, do you think I can do it? Because I had no idea. I really didn't know much about copy at that point. Uh, but she said, yeah, I, you know, kind of copy what I do, like, look at, check this stuff out, kind of model off of what I, what I, what I'm writing. And, um, I put an ad up on a website called warrior forum, which was like a internet marketing forum from back in the day. It may still be around. I offered to write other people's sales letters for $149 per, and I woke up the next day of $298 in my PayPal account. Two people had hired me. And then that was the magical aha, oh my God moment, I can make money online, like, you know, everything. And, and that was sort of the start of, of my career that was my career for the last, I guess, eight years now. Gotcha. So give us the, uh, so, so you have that moment where you're like, okay, this can be done. And you saw kind of the vision, you, you, you saw the light that set you on a path to get you where you're at today. Right. Give, us the, uh, give us the abbreviated version of that path um, that took you from, hey, I know this can be done to now you're, you know, you're a world-renowned expert in it. Sure. Yeah, it was... Um... It's funny because it, in some respects, it feels like long, but if you look at, you know, eight years in a broader kind of scheme, it, it really isn't, I guess. And it's, it's probably even kind of meteoric 
Uh, but still, the first you know two years or so, it was a a struggle because I was a, a freelancer. So once I woke up and had two hundred ninety eight dollars in my PayPal account, I quit my corporate job maybe a month and a half after that. And I had all the visions of I can be writing on a, a beach in, in Bali, you know, I'll be sitting there in the sand, like a tropical drink, typing away, and I can be on an airplane just working. And by the time I get there, I'll be vac- you know, life will be a vacation and amazing and all that. But you know, what really happens is there's it's a total grind as a freelancer. There's a whole feast feast or famine kind of thing going on. And I quickly found that there were months where I would make a lot of money, a lot being relative, but five or $6,000 and feel like really great about it. And then there's months where I did not get anything. And, and I, like I pawned my Xbox probably four or five times. It was like almost an ongoing joke. I would, you know, take an X, my Xbox into GameStop and sell it for like $200 or whatever so I could pay rent. But then I'd have like a really good month and feel like, okay, I, I can get this Xbox again. But then uh, suddenly, what do you know? There's a cash flow issue and um, they're back to GameStop, I would go. Or, uh, you know, I would go on a vacation. We went to Alcapulco with, with my wife. The girl became my wife, by the way. That's the big, I always kind of forget to mention that. But the girl from the table is, is now my wife and we have a young daughter. But, but before we got married, we went to Alcapulco with her, her dad and her grandma who had a timeshare there. And it was like beautiful. And uh, I should have been able to enjoy myself. But I remember just working on client stuff the entire time. Like barely left the hotel room, hardly went on the beach. And so, you know, it wasn't easy. Um, but over time, I got, you know, continued to get better. And I get got referrals from clients, which was really important. And I'd get like the right clients. I, I just also got very lucky. And, and in 2014, I got hired by a guy off of that same website, Warrior Forum. And I think I was charging $497, like a sales letter now. And he was like, I'll give you $1,000, just make it really good. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, like, this is huge, right? So uh, I, I wrote sales copy for this guy. It did really well. He was working with a partner doing stuff in the survival space at the time. So things about how to make your own um, home aquaponics system. So essentially, mm-hmm. you could you know be like a self-sustaining in, in cases of a you know disaster or whatever. I started writing copy for them. They they invested their time into teaching, training, and mentoring me. So they didn't just kind of say thanks for the copy. They'd be like, here are resources you should study. Here are things you should look at. Uh, look at what other people are doing. Like break down their sales copy as well. Uh, they really gave me a lot of uh, guidance there. And when the guy who had hired me originally, he went on to a health publisher who was in Romania, uh, but they were publishing informational products on health and other stuff. And they brought me along with them. And at that point, what was really cool, this is kind of my, my big break, I guess, is uh, they, they really believed that you could write a sales letter. And, and by a sales letter, I mean like a script for like a, basically an online infomercial for people who don't know what I'm talking about there. And, and we're talking, you know, six to 10,000 words long. And they felt like you could write one like every day practically. And I'm like, that's crazy. Most sales copywriters are, are taking, you know, two months to write these things. But they were like, we really think you can do it. And, you know, if you if you look at it formulaic and as a step-by-step process, and they created this, this whole uh, incentivization structure where if I wrote four sales letters in a month, I would get $4,000. So $1,000 per... Uh, if I wrote eight eight sales letters in a month, I could get two thousand dollars per sales letter, so sixteen thousand. And if I wrote twelve sales letters in a month, I would get four thousand dollars per sales letter, so forty eight thousand dollars. And then on top of that, they had um, like some different other bonuses and things I could do to where I could make sixty to eighty thousand dollars a month. Which going wow. from before that, yeah, having made you know five or I think maybe I made ten thousand one month before that, like ever. So that was obviously a crazy opportunity. Um, and their, their whole thing was they were going after the blockbuster model, the Hollywood model with like, we want to put out as many new like, kind of offers as we can, as many new sales funnels as we can. And we think that 
you know, two of them will do really well, a handful, three of them are going to do better than average. Three of them will do a little worse than average. And then a couple of them are probably going to be total duds. Kind of a portfolio um, model. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the really cool thing with that too, is they were basically like, you can sort of invent like ideas for products and we have the team to create it. So like I did a lot of stuff with health, but you know, if I wanted to do self-defense, they'd be like, yeah, like we can, you want to do something about like a forbidden death touches, which is like a real thing in martial arts. So like you want to create a guy that teaches people these forbidden death touches to help defend themselves. Like you can do it. And I'd be able to like actually come up with that idea and then write the copy for it or uh, stuff about, you know, investing or sports betting or whatever it was. And so I was just really prolific writing a ton of sales copy. Uh, I developed this process called RMBC, which I don't think we fully have time to go into today, honestly, but it's basically just a four-step approach that helped me to kind of really map out my sales copy faster. Um, and from there, you know, the stuff worked. It was successful. They scaled. They went to 100 million in revenue in a single year. They were There's a marketplace online called ClickBank. And at one point, I had eight of the 10 top offers on ClickBank for, it was like over a year straight, like everything that was kind of uh, the top offers I'd written them. And uh, from there, I started my own health supplement company, uh, then got involved in more of those health supplement companies, still did client work, but I was able to work with more, uh, I guess, advanced clients who had the infrastructure to really scale. Like today, I work with the guys at uh, VShred and Sculpt Nation, which I don't know if you've ever seen their stuff, but they're they're in the health space. They're, they're doing, their run rate this year is like 200 million. I think they did 120 million in revenue last year. So, um, which then helps me to, to sound really cool when I say my copies grossed over 700 million. A lot, a lot of that is just getting really lucky with the right clients, but I've been able to you know, do that um, over time and, and to where I'm today. And, and then at this point in my career, a lot of it is focused on the training, mentorship, teaching and, and giving back and helping other people because I feel like I got so lucky that that's a huge reason why I do the Copy Accelerator Mastermind and, and other stuff like that as well. So for our listeners who are interested in copywriting, where should they start? You know, one, one place would be like my website. I'm not trying to like plug my website and my website's not, it's, it's, it's just loaded with content. It's like my blog and stuff like that. I would say it's worth looking at. Um, mm-hmm. And then honestly, basic stuff, as funny as this- To your website? StephanPaulGeorgi.com. Got um, it. And then if you go forward slash blog, you'll see I have a lot of content on stuff, including on copy as well. You know, I would look at, there's different Facebook groups. I would look at, there's one called uh, The Cult of Copy. It's run by a guy named Colin Terrio. Uh, and then he has a jobs board as well, which is a separate Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, and, and honestly, silly as it sounds like Googling, like kind of stuff about direct response copy, looking at, you know, you'll, you'll find good articles, you'll find resources, you'll find things that kind of give you the, uh, the broad strokes about what it is, what it, what it looks like and all of that. Uh, so it's probably three places you can, you can start. Awesome. What social platform are you most active on for our listeners who want to keep in touch? Right now, really Facebook and LinkedIn. Stefan Georgi. So you can uh, you can look him up on, on LinkedIn. S-T-E-F-A-N, first name. And then Georgi is G-E-O-R-G-I. Yes, sir. Awesome. Stefan, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate you uh, taking the time to, uh, to share your story and share some of your knowledge with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And for our listeners, please make sure to like and share and subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. As entrepreneurs and small businesses, we all kind of reach that point where we know we've created something awesome and we want to share it with the world, right? Mm -hmm. And it's that very next step that can oftentimes be really intimidating or really scary or you just don't know where to go next, right? 
And the beautiful thing about this 14-day script challenge is you get your hand held from, okay, you have this cool product, now let's go research and find the exact way to present it and message it to the world in a way that resonates and gets people excited and they're ready to swipe their credit card and purchase. And in the 14-day script challenge, you get the opportunity to go through that step-by-step with our writers who have done it dozens and dozens of times. You actually watch us go through each of the steps ourselves and create it with a real client, a real product, and um, it's a real campaign that's out there that's been very successful. That's right. And the feedback that we've had on this thing has just been phenomenal. I mean, we get comment after comment and emails flowing in from people all over the world who have just uh, raved about the impact that this has had on their business. People tell us over and over again, it is just a huge value punch for the investment for this 14-day script challenge and, and really gave them the tool set they needed to walk through it and make it happen. And we've had dozens of students who have successfully taken the challenge, written their script, launched their ad campaigns, and driven success for their business. It's pretty amazing. For more information, go to hbros.co slash script. That's hbros.co slash script.